Welcome back to the Free Ball and Fantasy Football Podcast. I am your host, at Michael Shizzle on Twitter, and I am alone today. I am not here with the king, the king with the one, the king Hesse, the king Hesse with the one, the number one king, at king Hesse, king Hesse, king spelled with a one. Um, Jackson and I are not together today. Uh, he had some stuff to do this week. He's very busy getting his master's degree and uh, much busier at work than I am. And it's Christmas, you know, and crazy week. So we decided uh, I would do the recap this week. Um, today's actually Wednesday, December 23rd, so Christmas Eve Eve. And um, we recorded the preview yesterday. Um, and we did that because we could find time yesterday to be together. And we figured we'd rather have a preview for your championship week than a recap uh, with both of us on it. But that being said, this news section is going to be more updated than tomorrow's when you listen to the preview. Um, so just keep that in mind when you're going through that podcast, that um, it's only updated as of Tuesday. And I mentioned that in the pod too, but just something to keep an eye on for sure. Um, but we're going to dive, I'm going to dive right alone by myself. Um, you guys know how much I love doing this alone. So we'll just keep rolling with the punches. But uh, we're going to go right into the news section here. Uh, first and foremost, Antonio Gibson is back at practice. Uh, he was limited on Wednesday, but um, it looks like he practiced on in a limited capacity. And this is a team who's making a push for the NFC East, and they have a lot to play for. And I would not be surprised if he's back out on uh, Sunday. So Antonio Gibson owners, keep an eye on that. Uh, J.D. McKissick owners, keep an eye on that as well. Um, with Antonio Gibson getting first-team reps in practice was also his quarterback, Dwayne Haskins. Um, now, I'm sure we saw all of this stuff in the news about Dwayne Haskins and breaking protocol. Um, the team has removed his captain's status. However, it does not appear he will be receiving a suspension from the NFL or the team as he was taking first-team reps in practice, and he admitted to what he did. So it's not like there's an investigation. Um so I'm guessing he passed negative on his test, and it looks like he's going to play. So that is good news for Logan Thomas. That is good news for um, J.D. McKissick, likely. It's going to depend on how much snap share Antonio Gibson steals back in his return. Um, so a lot of different factors there. Um, theoretically, could be good news for Terry McLaurin, but he has not been as elite in the end of the season as you would have liked to see... Um, you know, he was Haskins' favorite target in the beginning of the year, but Logan Thomas got a ton of targets last week, and um, McLaurin's been a little disappointing down the stretch, so McLaurin owners should be a little wary of that. Um, Tyreek Hill did not practice Wednesday. That's pretty standard uh, Veterans Day off. Um, oh, more news on Dwayne Haskins here. Uh, football team, he was fined $40,000 by the team. So... It seems to me that that will be the extent of his punishment. So um, just add that to your mental file of what's going on in Washington. Um, Christian McCaffrey, once again, cited as doubtful. Um, it's championship week. He's not going to play this week, and I don't expect to see him again this season. Um, Zeke said he's on track to play in week 16 against the Eagles. Um, he allegedly missed last week with a lingering calf issue. Uh, this is going to be interesting because Tony Pollard was the RB1 last week, and with Zeke coming back into the fold, you wonder how much work they'll give him, if it'll be limited, um, if the team wants him to be taking reps at all. 
Um, they technically are not mathematically eliminated from the East, so he, the Cowboys still do have something to play for. So if they feel that Zeke gives them the best chance to win, which, I mean, he does, obviously. Um, that is something to keep an eye on as well with uh, the Tony Pollard situation. Miles Gaskin practiced on Wednesday. Um, he has missed the last two games, but he was on the COVID list. Um, and he is back at practice, which means he's obviously COVID-free. Um, this makes the Salvin Ahmed situation interesting. I would absolutely expect Miles Gaskin to take over the work if he can play, and it looks like he can. So um, a little unfortunate for uh, Salvin Ahmed and his owners because he looked like he was going to lead for the backfield for one more week, but here we are. Um, Daniel Jones, hamstring, practiced on Wednesday. Um, he was back up being uh, QB1 in, in QB drills on Wednesday's practice. Um, Dan Duggan, who's a beat reporter for the Giants that I uh, follow and respect a lot, uh, said that DJ was moving better than last week, but, um, quote, still a slight hitch in his gait after he throws. So basically, Daniel Jones being banged up is good for nobody, um, but I think Joe Judge knows that, and I think Colt McCoy will get the start if Daniel Jones is not 100%. Um, I think that's it for the news um, as of Wednesday. So we are chilling here. Joe Mixon's still out. Kyle Rudolph's still out. Philip Lindsay didn't practice. Um, Marquez Callaway designated to return from IR on Tuesday. Okay, so... And uh, Julio did not practice Wednesday. Who knows what's up with Julio? Um, we're going to have to keep an eye on that because he has been on and off injuries on the field, off the field, just all season. It's been abysmal. So that's it for the news. I'm going to I'm gonna make this short and sweet for you guys this week. Um, sorry, it's our kind of last recap, no cap recap of the season, and it's got to be kind of thrown together. But, you know, circumstances, holidays, COVID, Low budget. We're getting there. <laughs> we'll have a studio for next season, so look forward to that. But uh, I'll just kind of cruise right through this. Jackson's first where we were right. He wrote, Goff sucks, and then he wrote in an expletive that I am choosing not to repeat. <laughs> um, but yeah, Jackson has been an anti-Jared Goff guy as long as I've known him, and he was right. Obviously, we saw the result of the Rams and the Jets. They cost me a lot of money. I will get to talk about that in a little bit. <laughs> but uh, yes, Jared Goff is not good. And that makes his receiving options semi-unreliable at times. Uh, we saw Robert Woods have the good game this week. And uh, Tyler Higby was actually decent. But uh, Cooper Cup suffered from the fact that Jared Goff is not a great quarterback this week. So that's always going to be something, it seems, that follows Jared Goff around is uh, how his options perform because he himself is so inconsistent, even in games where he should be really, really good. Uh, my first where I was right is about Kyler Murray. Um, and I said this a few weeks ago, but Kenyon Drake took an uptick in work when Kyler Murray's shoulder was hurt. And it, a lot of it had to do with um, shout out to Mike Petrop for this little nugget and leading me down this um, thought train, if you will. Um, but that, Kyler was not going to be taking goal line rushes and he's probably going to chill in the pocket more and pass more and let his running backs do more work on the ground when he was banged up because he's because of the risk of re-injury. Um, and we saw the first 
game this week where Kyler was back at full form, um, sniping goal line work and groundwork from Kenyon Drake. And we saw Chase Edmonds take over his role again as the primary pass catching running back. Um, and there's no doubt that he's better at that than Kenyon Drake. So we saw Kenyon Drake have like a, a nothing fantasy game. Honestly, he had like five half PPR fantasy points. Um, 10 rushes, two targets through the air, like kind of a whole lot of nothing. So um, when this team, it's also worth noting that this team was not winning when Kenyon Drake was doing well in fantasy. Like this team operates best when Kyler Murray has the freedom on the ground, when he has that versatility at the goal line, and when Chase Edmonds is catching passes. So it sucks for Drake and for Drake owners, but that just seems to be the way this offense is going to run uh, most efficiently. Um... Yeah, that's all I have to say about that. Jackson's second where we were right is he wrote, Raiders are cheeks. Um, he is not wrong. The Raiders' defense is very, very bad. Um, I think this is halfway a troll at me because I tweeted when the Raiders almost beat the Chiefs for the second time and they choked it away on that last drive. I said, the Raiders are a good football team, which objectively in that moment you could say is true, but we have seen since then the Raiders are also a very bad football team. They are very play to the level of their competition. They're up, they're down. Um, and that impacts both the offense and the defense because we've said it before, but Josh Jacobs is most productive for fantasy when his team is winning. And his team is not often in games with a positive game script, which is why Josh Jacobs, despite where he's currently sitting um, in the running back rankings at, I don't want to cite it off the top of my head, but I believe it's running back six, in half PPR, uh, seven. He has been what feels like very disappointing. And I think when you look at just because he's RB7 doesn't mean he hasn't been disappointing. RB6, this has been a disappointing year for running backs overall. Um, RB6 is David Montgomery, who hasn't had a good game or didn't have a good game until, you know, week 10 or 11. Um, five is Aaron Jones, who has underperformed quite a bit. Um, just in terms of he has been much more of a floor player than a ceiling player this season. Um, four is UDFA James Robinson, who has been a stud. But above that is Henry Kamara Cook. Um, Josh Jacobs is in the company of Kareem Hunt, Jonathan Taylor. Zeke is RB10 this year, tied with Mike Davis. Like, So it's been a very disappointing year for the running back. Um, you know, Nick Chubb is RB12, so that's an RB1. Uh, with only 10 games played. So that really kind of tells you how this season has been for the running back. So yeah, Josh Jacobs is RB7, but he's still had a very disappointing year. And a lot of that has to do with the Raiders and um, being in negative game scripts a lot. So that is Jackson's second where we were right. My second where we were right is the Tannehill, Derrick Henry play action. They help each other. It's a help not harm situation. You know, I, I see this all the time. And it drives me absolutely crazy. Um, oh, this is going to be a Derrick Henry game. Uh, it's a bad run defense. Derrick Henry's going to carry the ball 30 times, um, and Tannehill's not going to need to throw. Like, yes, I understand that last year in the playoffs, Ryan Tannehill had several games where he um, didn't have to throw the ball very much in order to win, and those games were against the Patriots and the Ravens, two really good defenses. This was two low-scoring games, and... Um, Worth noting that they won both of those games because Tannehill's efficient and he throws when he has to. But 
what happens is Derrick Henry is so feared that he can get the ball 30 times a game and the opposing defense is prepared for Derrick Henry to be running. So they stack the box and it sets up a beautiful play action. And Ryan Tannehill gets a lot of open receivers, a lot of one-on-one matchups. He's got guys like Corey Davis who can burn on the outside. He's got guys like A.J. Brown who can make contested catches in one-on-one situations rather easily. So it's actually, Jonu Smith is a freak athlete. So it's actually better for him when Henry has a positive game script um, and he just continues to prove it. He had two rushing touchdowns last week because everyone was ready to tackle Derrick Henry at the goal line. Um, like, it's it's so, so simple, um, and a lot of people, unfortunately, are overlooking it. But uh, Ryan Tannehill is the QB7 on the year. Um, he's behind Kyler Mahomes, Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers, so that's three-and-a-half MVP candidates, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, and that's it. He's ahead of Lamar. He's ahead of Herbert. He's ahead of Brady. Um, Ryan Tannehill is having an excellent season, and I'm going to give myself a tiny little pat on the back um, because I've been saying it all year that he is a reliable start every single week. Um, He's averaging 22 fantasy points per game this season, and um, he's been glorious in your lineup. So that is my second where I was right. Moving on to the where we were wrong segment. Uh, Jackson's first one was that the Chiefs did not dominate the Saints. Um, and that is true. The Saints defense had a bounce back game after losing to the Eagles, um, against the number one team in the NFL. They had a bounce back game. And, um, although they kind of crept back in garbage time, they being the Saints, um, to push the spread, uh, Jackson and I both had them at minus three and they pushed that, but, um, it was a closer game than a lot of people thought. So. Uh, definitely worth noting. Uh, my first uh, thing we were surprised about this week where I was wrong was obviously the Jets. Um, I don't think much has to be said about this one. Uh, the Jets beat the Rams, one of the best defenses in the league, an offense with a lot of big names that should be able to produce. Um, a great coach who's known for being super smart and you know doing the right things to get his team in the position to win in Sean McVay. And none of those things happened. So the Jets have managed to screw up their guaranteed first pick. Uh, the Jaguars now hold the first pick by strength of schedule tiebreaker. Um, so if neither of these teams wins a game for the rest of the season, which is a whopping two weeks, and likely that's how it's going to be, uh, the Jaguars will actually get their shot at Trevor Lawrence if they want him. So um, shout out to Adam Gase for even tanking wrong. That guy just can't do anything right. Um bet those players were a little jazzed to win, though. I mean, you hear these quotes all the time. It's like one player doesn't change it enough that, you know, it's worth losing in a locker room. And I agree with that, honestly. I've been a pretty anti-tanking type of fan. Like, I I think it's so much more detrimental to the locker room to go 0-16 or 1-15 and have bad coaches and everyone's getting fired and stuff. I think that's more detrimental to a franchise than... um, you know, going six and 10 and not getting the number one pick in the draft. Because when you think about like the boom and bust chances of every pick in the draft, you know, you know, a few years ago it was Josh Rosen was the guy everyone wanted. And then because he had some off the field incidents, he fell to number 11 in the draft where the Cardinals took him. Um, and now people are saying he's washed and his career is over and all of that stuff. So my point is I don't really believe in tanking, but good for the Jets for screwing up Trevor Lawrence and 
potentially 20 years of a <laughs> franchise quarterback. They now have to kind of refigure that out. So we'll see how this plays out going forward. Um, Jackson's second where he was right was uh, about David Johnson because David Johnson actually went off, um, which is a very true statement. We were both kind of weary of Johnson. Um, he had a tough matchup against Indy and uh, coming off in an injury and... Uh, we weren't really sure what we'd see from him, but what we saw is he returned to his peak pass-catching form, uh, getting the most targets he's seen all season by seven. He had 11 targets, caught all 11 of them for 106 yards, including a 31-yard uh, completion. He had 19 half PPR fantasy points, and um, he would have been over 20, but he had a fumble. So, um, But a good day for David Johnson in the passing game, and uh, definitely something bright going forward for his owners um, who are probably wondering if they can play him or not um, in this championship week coming up here. Um, and I see he's got Cincinnati on the schedule, and Cincinnati is not a good defense. I know they beat the Steelers, but they're not a great defense by any means. So I think David Johnson is remains a playable asset. He only got eight carries for 27 yards, but um, they kind of use the passing game as the running game, you know, a lot of check down screens and uh, passes at the line of scrimmage, you know, you're essentially facilitating the running game through the passing game. Um, so that's a great way to utilize David Johnson. He's always been a better pass catcher than between the tackles runner. So um, good for the coaching staff over at Houston for recognizing that and taking advantage of that opportunity. And uh, I think he's a great start this week against Cincinnati for sure. Um, my second where I was wrong is T.Y. Hilton, a.k.a. T.Y. Houston. Um, you know, he had a fine game. It was okay. Uh, but, you know, we were kind of expecting him to go off as he usually does against Houston. And um, somebody in Houston figured something out because he was rather limited. He went four receptions for 71 yards, uh, only 9.1 half PPR fantasy points. So he didn't kill you, but by far his worst week in uh, four weeks, you know, coming off performances of 16, 21, and 23, uh, it kind of seemed like he was pushing to be a low-key league winner for someone who picked him up off the wire uh, with the hopes that he'd turn into something, maybe on his namesake, but um, it's hard to say what he's going to do against Pittsburgh. Uh, they do have some playmakers on defense through the secondary. I know they're not the best defense, but they're certainly better than Houston, Tennessee, and Las Vegas, who were the four opponents, um, Houston twice, that uh, T.Y. has seen in the past four weeks. So um, it's going to be interesting to see. He's kind of a shaky option, I think, in my opinion. Um, just, But again, you know, showing a floor of nine points, getting his six targets, catching four of them for 70 yards, I think the rapport has been built with Phillip Rivers that he's not going to lose you your week. I just don't know that he's going to win it. So... That's where we were wrong this week. We'll move to stock up. Um, Jackson's first stock up is Antonio Brown. Um, Antonio Brown had a good day. Uh, he finally connected on that deep ball that the Bucks throw every single week. Um, him and Brady got to connect on that. So that was nice for Antonio Brown owners. Um, you likely weren't starting him if you listen to this show just because he's hasn't really done anything since he's come in. You know, he's had one game over uh, double-digit points up until this week, but uh, 17.8 half PPR fantasy points this week. He 
caught five of his seven targets for 93 yards, and he did get that touchdown. So uh, definitely nice to see against Atlanta. And now with an excellent matchup against Detroit, um, I'd say I have to feel good about starting Antonio Brown as a top 36 option um, just because the Detroit secondary has been so bad. Matthew Stafford is kind of balling out, to be honest, and that offense is is moving the ball. So I would expect a high-scoring game, and, and I think Antonio Brown will get his looks this week uh, coming up here for championships. So, But stock up on him for sure. My stock up was Tony Pollard um, until I saw the news about Zeke. Um, so I'll just use this opportunity, this window of time to talk about that situation a little bit. Um, it, it had seemed coming up to this point that the Cowboys didn't have much to play for anymore, that their season was over. Um, but they have not actually been eliminated. Washington lost, the Giants lost, Philly won. So the division is very close. I believe all four teams still have a mathematical way of winning. Maybe not Philly because they have that tie in there. Um, But so the Cowboys, once again, have something to play for. And not for nothing, they're playing pretty well. I mean, they just put up 40 points on uh, the 49ers. So um, the offense is at least showing it can score um, against a, a decent defense in the Niners, obviously banged up. But so this leads us to kind of the whole... Zeke versus Tony Pollard dilemma. Um, it seemed like Zeke was battling injury, but it also kind of seemed like the Cowboys were just holding him out in a season that they had nothing to play for. You know, there's no Dak. They're obviously not going to win the Super Bowl, even if they can make it to the playoffs. You know, do you risk your $85 million running back getting a really bad injury in games that apparently don't matter? So I was kind of leaning on the thought process that Tony Pollard was going to take over the reins for the remaining of the season and that we wouldn't see very much Zeke at all. Um, but now I'm not so sure. So I'm a little hesitant to start Tony Pollard. That is definitely a situation to monitor going forward. Um, you don't want to get caught slipping on that one. But uh, if Zeke looks like he's going to play and be the quote starter, I'm not touching Tony Pollard, I don't think, because there's just no guarantee that he's going to get enough work to be relevant. I think he'll make the most of his touches. I think he's talented. I think he's had, uh, he's done that all season. He's made the most of his opportunities, but I don't think we can count on it from Tony Pollard. Um, if Zeke is out there. So that is something to keep an eye on for sure. Uh, Jackson's second stock up is, uh, I believe it's actually, I've been saying Salvin. I believe it's, uh, Savon, uh, Savon Ahmed. Uh, running back for the Miami Dolphins, who did return from IR and was the lead back in that offense by a lot. Um, I know this has been a frustrating situation for anyone who, you know, believed in Matt Breida or Jordan Howard in the beginning of the year and then picked up Gaskin and then you see Ahmed come out and, and have these kind of this role when he's the the guy, if you will. Um, but what this does tell you is Brian Flores clearly wants to use one running back. Um, he wants a workhorse. He wants a guy who can do it all. So um, going into next year, this is positive because we'll get to learn in the offseason and the preseason kind of who wins the starting job, and then we can rank accordingly. So um, Savon Ahmed, 23 carries for 122 yards last week and a touchdown. He also caught one of his three targets, so that helps add a little... Uh, some points, but if Miles Gaskin is going to play, 
he is going to be the guy who gets 20 carries. Um, and Savon Ahmed will probably get a few touches here and there, but he will not be relevant. Um, it's unfortunate because he's a good player, uh, 5.3 yards per carry um, as the starter last week and the workhorse. But, uh, you know, we, we just can't, we can't count on that. Just like we can't count on uh, Tony Pollard to get the work if Zeke is there. You know, Zeke is the one and Gaskin is the one. And that's how the depth chart reads. And that's how it's going to be if, if Gaskin is back. And it looks like he's going to be. So stock was up on him, but I'll adjust it to uh, stock is up on uh, Miami running backs because it's it's Gaskin or it's Ackman. Whoever is the name the starter will get that work. Um, so I can pretty much guarantee that. So. Uh, stock up there for sure. My second stock up is uh, Daryl Henderson, running back for the Los Angeles Rams. Um, and the reason for that is Cam Akers is out. And when Cam Akers is out, Daryl Henderson gets all the work. And um, that used to be the other way around, and then it kind of switched uh, when Cam Akers finally took over, as he should have um, a long time ago. But that's neither here nor there. You know, Daryl Henderson has had a bunch of very productive fantasy games when he was a starting running back. Um, you know, 20 attempts, 18 and a half, half PPR fantasy points, 15 attempts, 20 half PPR fantasy points. Um, 10 attempts, uh, 14 points in this week, 10 points in this week, uh, nine points in this week. So he has been a decent option as the, starter and he hasn't had it enough um this season but with cam Akers clearly sidelined he will get the work and in a division game against seattle you can expect that uh sean mcveigh is going to use his running back as he always does this is a run first team he's going to establish the run to hopefully set up mediocre golf to be able to make his passes so i would expect that henderson will get at least 15 touches and that could be invaluable in a championship week where uh, running backs reliability is hard to come by. So stock up on Daryl Henderson. Stock down, Jackson wrote Rams duh. And I have to agree, you know, when you see a team get exposed by the Adam Gase led 0-13 New York Jets, your perception of them really it shifts, it changes. And, um, I think you always will have it in the back of your mind now, you know, this is a positive game script for the Rams. They should do this, blah, blah. Yeah. But what if, you know, yeah, but what if it's another Jets performance? What if it's, um, you know, another one of those type of games where the Rams just don't show up or Sean McVay tries to get too cute coaching, or he leans too heavy on the run when they need to be passing. And Jared Goff can't get it done in, in comeback mode. So, um, I think the whole Rams take a bit of a stock dip for sure. Um, I agree with Jackson on this one. Absolutely. My first stock down is JD McKissick. Um, now I know it's hard to say that a guy who just had off the top of my head, I'm pulling it up right now. Uh, I believe it was 11 receptions um, this past week with the same quarterback, the same exact offense is going to have, um, okay, nine receptions on 10 targets, and he also had 51 yards on the ground. Got a touchdown, 21 half PPR fantasy points. It's hard to say that guy's stock is down, but Antonio Gibson, as I mentioned in the news, is back at practice. And if Antonio Gibson is out there, um, 
J.D. McKissick is not going to get 13 rush attempts. Now, Haskins had to throw a lot coming from behind against Seattle, and I think that is why McKissick got his 10 targets. Um, he had 10 targets in Pitts- in the game against Pittsburgh. They won, but they came from behind. He had 15 targets in the game against Detroit. They lost 30-27. to He had 14 targets in the game against the Giants. They lost 23-20. to So this is a very clear game script where McKissick gets his targets um, and his receptions, and I just don't know that I see that against Carolina. Uh, Mike Davis has been well underperforming. Um, Washington has a top three secondary against the wide receiver, and the Carolina receivers have been struggling as well, and I don't think Washington is going to have a problem shutting down Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, um, or at least limiting their production. So, And I don't believe in Teddy Bridgewater. So I I could see a situation here where the Washington football team, who has everything to play for, and Carolina, who doesn't have much, um, Washington actually controls this game. And Antonio Gibson gets a lot of work. They ease him back into the passing game. And McKissick doesn't get a lot of those checkdowns. So my stock is down on McKissick uh, with the return of Antonio Gibson for sure. All right. And Jackson's second stock down is the Bucks backfield. Um, and he says this is because the Buccaneers go down every game. Buccaneers are a weird team, man. We go into it a lot on the preview, uh, which is coming out in a couple days. But they have games where they look like a contender. They have games where they look like the Rams did against the Jets. They have halves where they look like both of those things. And they just flip the switch at halftime. I don't know what's up. Um... It's impressive that this is Tom Brady's first year in this offense. It's a whole new system for this team, and they're figuring out how to win. Tom Brady's, you know, going to put up four thousand yards and um, thirty-five touchdowns, probably, um, which is impressive. But this is a very weird team, and I understand Tom, when Tom Brady's got to step back and throw, he's not checking down to the running backs. So with Ronald Jones out, it's really just Leonard Fournette. So you can count on him to get some work. Uh, he had two touchdowns last week, but the Buccaneers had receivers tackled on the one twice that game, and Leonard Fournette punched it in. So you cannot rely on that type of play um, to continue for through the weeks because if both of those guys go in, uh, Leonard Fournette has a very, very disappointing day. So um, I understand this stock down absolutely from Jackson here um, because it's hard to say that... Um, the Buccaneers are, are going to take a game and, you know, control it from beginning to end. You know, we've seen them struggle against teams all year. Now they are playing the Lions, uh, which is the number one matchup for quarterbacks over the last five weeks. And um, the Lions secondary has just been abysmal. So I kind of expect the Buccaneers to go ahead here. But, you know, we've seen them in a lot of games where they're supposed to go ahead, simply not. So um, definitely worth keeping an eye on if you are a Leonard Fournette owner and Playing him with caution uh, this week coming up. It's going to be very, very tricky trying to determine if you can safely play um, Leonard Fournette or not, given all of the circumstances. So that's a good stock down for sure. My second stock down is Zeke. Um, and I already went into this, and you know I may amend this because Tony Pollard was my stock up, and now I'm not so sure. But I think my stock on Zeke is still down simply because Tony Pollard did do so well in that role. So the second that the Cowboys are no longer in contention, um, I think Tony Pollard is going to control the backfield. 
and I think there's a very good chance that they split touches anyway. So while I did make the points earlier about Tony Pollard and how it's hard to play him with Zeke on the field, I think the same goes for Zeke. You know, we've seen Tony Pollard have fantasy-relevant weeks this season already, uh, particularly in the last few weeks, with Zeke on the field. Um, Now you give Tony Pollard a week, he's to be the starter. He becomes the running back one overall for the week. You bring Zeke back off injury. Are they going to ease him in? Are they going to split touches? Are they just trying to save face with the fan base? Not seem like they're tanking um, for a better draft pick? You know, there's a whole lot of factors there. So I think both of these guys are are tough to determine. But Ezekiel Elliott, one of the most reliable quarter, or excuse me, running backs over the past few seasons, is definitely the stock is down. I, I don't even know if you can play him this week. If you're in the championship and you drafted Zeke, uh, maybe you traded for him. So that's um, a different situation. You probably didn't make it if you drafted him. But um, I'd have a hard time putting him in your lineup this week. I don't care who they're playing. I don't care that they're playing Philly and it's a division game and there's a lot to play for and there could be a lot of points. Um, I think it's very hard to play him for sure. So, all right. Well, that concludes our recap. Um, I'm just going to go over some of our results from this week. Um, gambling, Jackson was 2-0-1. He, his lock, which was the Chiefs minus three, pushed. Uh, the Browns minus five over the Giants did hit and the Dolphins minus one over the Patriots did hit by... 10. Um, I was two and one in gambling. So that's so ironic. I had the worst gambling week of my life, um, in real life, but I I finally had a good week for my lines on the show. (laughs) Um, I was two and one. I took the bills as my lock to cover six points against the Broncos and they won by 25. Um, I had the Ravens to cover the Jaguars and they destroyed them as well. And then I obviously had the Rams to cover the Jets, and that was a big miss. So that's my two and one. Uh, touchdown draft. Jackson was one and one. He had J.K. Dobbins get in. Uh, D.K. Metcalf did not. Uh, Russell Wilson threw for 120 yards, and that's just porous. That's terrifying, to be honest. Um, I have a hard time starting any Seattle receiving options outside of Metcalf going forward. Uh, I, go, I talk about Tyler Lockett a little bit on the preview. You'll get to hear about that. But um, anyway, Jackson 1-1. One and one. I was 2-0. and oh. I took Nick Chubb and Dalvin Cook. So that helped uh, pad my stats a little bit in the touchdown draft for the season. And in Pick'em, Jackson was 12-4, and four, and I was 11-5. and five. Um, So going into championship week, I am 14-16 and 16 in the touchdown draft. Jackson is 12-18. and 18. I am 20 and 25 in gambling. Jackson is 26, 17 and two. Um, and in Pickham, I'm 151 and 70. And Jackson is only five games behind at 146 and 75. Um, so yeah, we uh, we did a fun little thing on the preview too. You'll get to hear about it. But we basically, we drafted fantasy teams from the Christmas game only. Um, and we filled out lineups. And uh, we are going to score up the uh, count up those points and uh, have a little fun, friendly wager against each other uh, just from that game only. So that'll be really fun. Uh, something to keep us locked into the the lone game of the day on Christmas, um, and something you guys can follow along with as well. Um, thank you everybody for listening this season. Um, the preview will be coming out most likely tomorrow. Um, I'll try to get it up in the morning. 
but I might wait till the afternoon just so you guys have time to listen to this as well. And I think that's going to do it for us today. Um, you can follow the show on Twitter at FreeBallAndFFPod. Um, if you like comedy slash listening to two dudes talk about nothing and be stupid for an hour to an hour and a half every single week, uh, you can go listen to the Ramblewood podcast, which is a podcast hosted by yours truly and my buddy Parker. Um, we have a lot of fun with that. So you can check that out wherever you found this podcast. Um, and again, you can find me on Twitter at Michael Shizzle. You can find Jackson at King Hesse. King is spelled with a one. And that's all from us today. Happy Christmas Eve, Eve. We'll see you tomorrow for the preview. Take, oh, dude, I always miss the pants, the pants intro and outro. Um, but you know by now. So your pants are off. Put them back on. Happy Wednesday, Wine Wednesday. Have a b- glass or a bottle, whatever you're feeling. Um, I'm going to church tonight for Christmas Eve, so, or Christmas Eve Eve, but, uh, enjoy it, guys. Enjoy your family, and, uh, we will see you tomorrow. Later. Thank you.